1: I'm Gabby Reese, and welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is urologist and male health specialist, Dr. Tracy Gappin. And Dr. Gappin, yes, he deals, he specializes in male health. And before all my females run for the door, this is really about a conversation about health. And you would think, you know, the joke is, you know, oh, when a guy gets a cold, you'd think that men would be really good at sort of addressing their health issues. And typically what will get them to the doctor besides a serious health issue is their sex life. So of course we talk about erectile dysfunction, but what you realize is that's just an indication that other things are not going well. And these same issues impact all of us. Yes, if you're a female, obviously it shows up differently, but this is a conversation that could benefit any of us and certainly someone that we love, and he gives you very clear ideas on how to turn back the aging clock, navigate your hormone supplementation, because maybe you are getting a little older and you're doing a lot of the right things, but you do wanna supplement because you're feeling tired or you're not recovering the same. Well, how do you start that and what are the ways to go and, and what do you ask your doctor for? What kind of blood work do you need? This is another great story of a real doctor who had a pretty customary practice thought, you know, this is this is disease care versus health care, and scratched it and opened up his own place and really gets down to the fundamentals of health, which is our lifestyle. And having said that, he does talk about how genetics can impact us and how we can learn about that. For example, certain swabs that we can do, tests, all you do is swab the cheek, and you realize based on your genetics, maybe you're somebody who really does well on a complex carbohydrate diet, even though everybody says that's taboo. So I I appreciate his thoroughness. And again, this is about all of our health. This isn't just about, okay, I'm a guy, my penis isn't working. This is about backing that into 17 other questions about, well, how is your sleep? And what are you eating? And are you exercising? And how's your stress life? And oh, are you watching too much pornography? All these types of questions that can help us arrive at better solutions and, and just put us more in charge of our health. So I hope you enjoy. So, Dr. Gappin, welcome to the show. I Thanks have, um, I'm really excited to talk to you because I think I've, you know, obviously doing my homework. You talk a lot about how, you know, women we we sort of adre- we address things a little bit more meticulously. And even though, for example, I know there's statistics like if a man has chest pain, he's quicker to deal with that than a woman. Like when we talk about heart attacks and things like. We're like, no, we're fine. We'll just push through. But I think conversely, men don't sometimes know how to or start tackling their own health situations and issues. And obviously, things like erections or erectile dysfunction is a great motivator. Yeah. But you really are focused on the overarching men's
0: health. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when we look at, at high performance, which is really what I like to focus on, so I'm, I'm so fortunate to be with you here today, um, it, it's about how do we help men take charge of their health, recognizing that we're pretty bad about it and we tend to be very passive and reactive and wait for a problem, whether it's chest pain or whether it's some other issue. And it, in my practice, I, I'm a board-certified urologist, been practicing for 20-plus years now, focused on men's health. And what's interesting is that there's one thing that seems to finally get guys' attention – and that is sex (laughs) you know their arm could be falling off they could be diabetic they could be you know 50 pounds overweight and they're like yeah yeah no big deal but suddenly when the when the sex isn't working like it should that's when they finally seek attention and so i actually published a book called male 2.0 a few years ago to really try to transform that paradigm and help guys to think differently and be more proactive and live with intention and and take charge of their health and not wait for problems like ed or chest pain to set in
1: and maybe you know, maybe we could baby step it. I want to get to the performance element. And I really appreciate that, you know, you you said you were having sort of a traditional care, you know, you're, you're, you're a urologist in a traditional practice, and you realize it was more about disease care than health care, so to speak. And I really see in this, doing the show, I see more and more people like you out there, it makes me very hopeful in all different parts of medicine, sort of taking this approach going, Hey, listen, it's not working. And they're not just in New York city and Los Angeles. They're, you know, in, in Kansas, you're in Sarasota. It's like showing up in all these pockets. So I I think that on the one side, it's very hopeful that there's more and more doctors like you that are saying, Hey, we have to look at the whole practice. Exactly. yeah. Now, in the beginning, when you, I'm just always fascinated about your own journey. You had your own sort of health, maybe I don't want to say scare, but you were navigating something with yourself.
0: Maybe you yeah. could just
1: s- sort of how you you yeah. got
0: to this place. Sure. So I had a very busy urology practice focused on robotic surgery and kidney stones and up all night in the hospital, and um, I was so focused on my career that I was really neglecting my own health. And I reached a tipping point where I woke up one day and I'm 30, 35 pounds overweight and I have no energy. I'm fatigued. I can't focus, can't sleep, feel like crap. And I knew something was wrong. And um, I found that our healthcare system is not built for that. It's not made for that. It, you know, it's, it's disease care, crisis care, and I didn't have a formal diagnosis. And so it, it got me down this rabbit hole of, um, health optimization and human performance and genetics and longevity, and I found my true passion and purpose as I researched this, and I was able to really transform my own health, and I started sharing the same concepts with my patients, and they were having the same amazing results, and that got me to where I am now, where I, I jumped off a, a cliff and, and left a very lucrative urology practice so I can open the Gap Institute for High-Performance Medicine and do what I love doing, which is human optimization.
1: You know, you had,
0: you, f- you figure if
1: you're a urologist, you're equipped with a lot of information and certainly access. And I'm always curious, the thinking, and I have this in my own experience, right? Like I know there's things I should be doing, like I know better, but somehow I don't have the time or I'm not fitting it in. What was the, what was it that shifted your thinking from knowing better and maybe not practicing it to saying, okay, okay not just in your work life but in your personal life what were the catalysts that really got you to go this isn't working anymore because this is what i think keeps most people back in the first place
0: yeah you're exactly right you know most people know what to do it's how do you actually do it how do you actually live with intention stay true to what you know is necessary and for me, that, that concept really started with uh, studying epigenetics, which is the science of how our lifestyle and behavior affects our body's function and how we have control over how our bodies behave. And so um, that got me as, as nerdy as it is down the science of how lifestyle really matters and how we can change a lot of things. And, and I like to joke that as amazing and wonderful and powerful as I am as a doctor prescribing uh, peptides and hormones and supplements and medications, It's the lifestyle, it's the coaching, it's the accountability that is maybe even more important than what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I created this N1 performance health program that incorporates medical, incorporates coaches, incorporates wearable tech and genetics and puts all these pieces together because I find that's where the real magic happens, Gabby. When we bring in the coaching and the accountability, that's where you finally see transformation.
1: So I want to get into all the fancy stuff, the high performance and, you know, talk about inflammation and all the things that we're going to cover. But I, I would like to just drill down on this because, I mean, obviously we like to be comfortable. People don't like change. And even if we know we're heading in the wrong direction, we'll sort of, well, it's familiar to me. I eat like this, this or that is my practice. This is my relationship. This is when I usually go to bed, whatever the things in that we've all built in place. So now that you've seen patients... For many years and now doing it this different way. What would you say to someone that they can't get over that hump? What are you seeing is the breakthrough? Is it always some big health scare? Is it now I have a kid and I want to be excited? So, you know, so maybe we could just talk about that because I think first it's getting people in the right position to then receive the reminder information that you're going to give them today.
0: You're exactly right. Yeah, you, you have to be receptive and willing to be open to that transformation that happens, and it starts up here. It starts here in in the other head. In the brain, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the brain, <laughs> and the the key is is to have what I call a high performance mindset first, and that is to really um, live with intention. So when I work with men, I work with men and women, um, but when I work with with clients, what is your why? what is it that's important to you? What matters? Why are you doing this? You're not, you know, you're not coming here to lose 20 pounds, 20, 30, 40 pounds. You're not losing, you're not doing this to fit in those jeans. That's not what it's about. It's about to be loved by your partner or it's about to feel connected in a relationship. Or for me, it's all about my kids, my, my six year old, eight year old kids. They're everything to me. They're like, how can I be the best present um, and engaged husband and father for my family that I can be. And, and that drives me to be better. And, mm-hmm. and that's where you start to see that change when, when you actually have purpose. And so living with purpose, living with intention, having a, a why in mind to me is really the first step.
1: So let's say you have a patient male or female. Cause you know, my understanding is you're making all of these boyfriends and husbands feel so good that the women are like, Hey, help us out too. Um, yeah. But let's say, you know, they're there in front of you. And I think even more now with uh, you know, coming out of COVID and just, You know, people are getting hit with every bad news that there is consolidated at once coming through their phone 24-7. I think people are more overwhelmed than ever. And when you talk about purpose and why, if you have somebody listening right now and they just emotionally or mentally can't really get there because, right, like that's how do we get them to the place of their why? Is it suspended sort of faith like you go hey just deal with try this for 30 days and see you know override your own natural impulse to not do this like how do you reach those people because I know you see them that um, they're almost sort of like in a behind a veil and how do you get them out of that fog and into the place where you go okay here we go
0: yeah, it's a great question. I love that. So I I, I would completely one hundred percent agree with you that there's a lot of noise out there. There's there it's information overload. People don't need more information, and it's become noise where you hear these Twitter wars over what you should and should not be eating and what's the best exercise program, what supplement. Like it, it's it's insane and and it's confusing. And I I have the same phrase I hear every day. It's become kind of a running joke in the office. It's just tell me what to do. Just tell me, simply just tell me what to do. I hear that every day. And so what it comes down to is, number one, understanding what's right for you. And it comes down to individualization. So I focus on data. I focus on genetics. I focus on comprehensive testing to understand what's right for you. And everyone's different. Everyone's going to respond differently. And I think of it like, like an iceberg. You have the part that's showing. And that typically is, you know, excess weight, it's low energy, it's brain fog, cognitive function, and it's sex. Those are the main things that I tend to see over and over and over again. Well, if we can do things to help the stuff above the surface and get patients, clients feeling better, now you can start to dive deep and start addressing the inflammation, start addressing the oxidative stress, and start dealing with the insulin resistance and all these other physiologic nerdy processes that are really important, but you can't address that up front. They just want to feel better. They just want to have energy again. They want to feel like a man or woman again. And so that's where it it's getting the mindset clear and giving them a few wins, instant wins, and then we can start to dive deeper.
1: I, I really appreciate that. And I, I think, you know, it's been interesting as we move towards, uh, I think we're in this weird transition in, in the world. I think, uh, you, you know, and you you talk about it, even about certain studies that talk about how testosterone dro- has been dropping you know, for the last 30 years, you know, 1% yeah. a year. I actually think, be- besides the environment, whether it's, you know, toxins in the environment and now technology, I feel like mankind, humankind, is in this weird transition uh, that is uncomfortable and confusing. I-, I don't even know how to explain it because typically we go, well, just follow your biology right? Like, let's do the things biologically that would ground us into health. But I think we're we're dealing with with so many sort of more unusual facets. But I do think, to your point, if we can give them these wins, but I also think the easiest way is sometimes to do those fundamental biological things, like take a walk outside, maybe take your shoes off, let's look at some sunlight. So it's this combination of simplifying it that way, too.
0: I I don't know yeah absolutely yeah I, so <laughs> this is kind of ironic timing i just last hour was on a call with a client and he's this uber successful network marketer who travels the world he was just in dubai for two weeks and now he got back and he's jet lagged and he feels like crap and he's like doc why do i have no libido no sex trial like like fix it and and he's like looking at testosterone I'm like like there's so much more than that and i'm showing him his cortisol which was in the tank And that's, you know, chronic stress, which is not psychological, it's physiologic stress. And so it's helping people understand that there needs to be balance there. So what you just said, going for a walk, meditation, mindfulness, you know, here I'm a medical doctor talking about all this stuff that I used to think was kind of woo, but it's critically important to have that balance. And I talk a lot about heart variability and how you need to balance your nervous system and, um, that's what you really need, and and it's it's simple stuff. Like you said, it's go for a walk, get some sunlight, practice some breathing. No one knows how important your breathing is, and it's these simple maneuvers. And again, that's where the coaching comes in. That's where it it doesn't require a prescription or medication to do that.
1: Yeah, and I and I always just bring it up because I know that we you know we can talk about you know, peptides and CJC and all these really incredible things, but I always like to remind people they're not a replacement for, you still have to create the foundation. So it's like, you you know, and you, you deal with this. And also I want to say to people, if they're interested in talking to you, you do do telemedicine as well. So I really, I appreciate that. It's not just for the people in your area. If someone is, you know, wants to connect directly, they can. So, so, someone's listening and let's say they're not dealing yet with erectile dysfunction. Let's say that's not even on the the floor. They're just saying, Hey, I'm whatever age I am. I'm not feeling my best. I'm not sleeping great. I'm not energized. They come and see you. Not only, okay, take their blood and, and do other things. What also should they ask for to be looked at? And let's, let's right now stick with, unless it's, unless it's a genderless process, let's stick with, let's support men. Let's talk about men first. And let's
0: say sure. if there's nuanced difference yeah. for women. Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about lab testing specifically, is that mm-hmm. where you want to go here? Yeah. Yeah. So because I, obviously- I think
1: people here get your blood work, get your blood work, but they don't, why would any, I've looked at those panels. How do I know how to ask for the right things to look for? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So I'll give you some pointers. So, uh, you know, testosterone is most common whenever every guy talks about what's my testosterone level. A key thing to be aware of is free testosterone. Free testosterone is the bioavailable or active form. So make sure if you're checking your testosterone, check your free testosterone. Understand that the range you see on the right side of the lab slip there is the reference range, which is just the average of the population. Mm -hmm. We know that levels are plummeting. And so those levels are about 40 to 50% lower than what they were 20 years ago. And so we want to be at the top end of those ranges typically. Um, And so don't just trust when your doctor tells you your testosterone is normal. I hate that phrase. Free testosterone should be optimized. Same with thyroid. You know, we want to look at not just TSH. Most doctors are just going to check TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. Be sure your doctor's checking free T3, which is the bioavailable active form of thyroid. Free T4 as well. Those are way more important than TSH. You want to look at things like fasting insulin level. This is going to give you an idea of how how well you're regulating blood sugar hemoglobin a1c is commonly used and said yeah that's fine but that's a diabetes marker and that's a very um it's a lagging indicator of how you your body is processing sugar and then maybe six months behind yeah right i was sorry to cut you off i was going to say
1: sometimes we don't realize a lot of this is like when we're already in trouble versus Yeah, yeah i have a question about that so a lot of friends i know when they go into the sauna or um they fast their glucose levels will go up. Um, is it, is it the thickening of the blood? I don't know. I was just, I've been asked this a lot and I didn't know if you had any insights to this Sure. Um, yeah.
0: or, so, or what happens so, there. Absolutely. So when you have a, a, an intense workout, when you do sauna, when you do cryo, go, that's basically stress. you you're stressing your body. You're activating heat shock proteins and it's stress. Make no mistake about it, but that's, Short-term bursts of stress like that are good. It's good for the body. It, it, you know, Stress helps your body become more resilient, and you grow from that, and it's very important. So those are valuable. But what happens with stress? Well, stress raises your hormone called cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and that, what does that do? That's made to elevate your blood sugar to handle whatever stress that you're facing, as if you were being chased by a lion or tiger back in the, in, in the caveman era. And so that's a normal response, but then it comes back down very quickly. And so it's normal to see a slight bump, and, and, and I work with a lot of clients where I'll give them a, a, a continuous glucose monitor, and we'll track that, and we'll see. You have a crummy night of sleep, and you haven't eaten anything in, in 12, 16, 18 hours, and your blood sugar will still spike. And so that's a common stress response, and it's understanding what that means and how do you interpret it, and that, that, that gets to the, the fun nuance of, of wearable tech and tracking um, stress.
1: Yeah. And you and you say you don't you're not pushing one device more than another that people can decide what they want. But I think there is something interesting and it's about tracking glucose, at least understanding. So, for example, when we're tired, if we drink coffee, that has a completely different impact on our system than if we're rested. Right. So it's like I think I, I really appreciate that. Uh, that opportunity for people to see, I have a friend who, for example, very healthy, but every time he ate blueberries, he'd had these really weird spikes. And so he had something going on with his relationship with blueberries, which, which normally it's like, is there a better fruit? So I think if, you know, people listening to this um, I think those are, I don't like to get hooked onto monitors because I think we should be able to tap into also how we're feeling, but there's something we said for, being armed with well, how because how you eat and how it impacts you is is different than me, and and just getting to know that. So I I like that video aspect of a glucose monitor.
0: Yes, I mean, exactly. So it, it's helpful to understand what foods that you're eating that uh, are more impactful to you and which are not. Like for me, potatoes and red wine don't touch me, but other things like oatmeal crushes me. And so knowing these things is very helpful. You don't need to do it long-term. You could do it for two, four, six weeks, and that's it. And, and, yep. and maybe do it again a couple months later. But this ties in also to, to the individualization of what I do in performance medicine is, um, depending on your situation, a lot of times we'll do food sensitivity testing. And your friend may very well have an inflammatory response specifically to blueberries. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he does. And he's like so incredibly healthy and he, he didn't know that. So Maybe, um, you know, everyone, you talk a lot about turning back the clock uh, of, you know, time and just sort of some b- basic things because, you know, my hope is to not only interpret and make it achievable for people to make small gains. Um, what are you drinking? Vodka offline? You can you can drink it in front of us. You're showing us that you're hydrating, Dr. Gaffin. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's
0: something else, I mean, you know, that's a, but I can't tell. I, I am. Well, um, so
1: this
0: goes into you know the whole concept of not using plastic water bottles. I'm big on filtered water, uh, carbon block filtered water, so you clear the toxins. And you should always have a, a stainless steel water bottle for your water or glass, but never plastic. There you go.
1: Right. I mean, if you want to mess with your testosterone, right? Because you just drink. Keep. That's right. You know, what is it? The phthalates? What is it? We eat like a a credit card a week or something of plastic. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, I like it. So going to, you know, everyone, I think they want to feel their best. And you talk about, uh, you know, very simple things we can do to, to either turn back the time or at least slow, slow down. And we, you, you mentioned oxidized yeah. oxidative stress, but maybe we could just talk about inflammation and, and some other things. Sure. Yeah. So,
0: you know, We've come a long way in this field of longevity. The science is exploding seemingly almost every day where we now understand these pathways, you know, AMPK, sirtuins, and mTOR are the three main uh, genetic pathways, if you will, for longevity. And understanding how to turn these genes on and off has really become the passion and and, and a race to see who can do that. Uh, I'll just share a brief story about a study that came out uh, two or three years ago out of California from the Fahey group. They gave men growth hormone, metformin, and DHEA for a year. Okay, now we can have a whole other conversation about growth hormone, but bear with me for the moment. And they measured their biologic age after, before and after that year. And they compared it to a group of men who did not have those three drugs. And that group of men was a year and a half younger, whereas the other group got a year older. So two and a half years difference in aging with just one year on that manipulation. Now, I'm not here to, to uh, promote growth hormone, but the fact is that we're learning how to turn back the clock and how to, mm-hmm. you know, anti-aging used to have such a bad rap. When I was in urology for years, we thought it was a big joke. And now I can't get enough of it. And I love it. And I'm, I'm obsessed with, with the science coming out. But it's understanding how things like, um, you know, senolytics and vicetan and rapamycin, and all these cutting edge tools, how can we use mm-hmm. them to affect these genetic pathways. And so it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of science around it. And we're learning every day. Is this something that you, a person, because for me, this is universal, what you're talking
1: about. This is gender, you know, all the genders. Is that, you know, is this something that people once, do they start at 35 Cause that's the other thing is I, I don't know, like, is it, is there a time where you go, Hey, slow down? It's too, you're too young to actually start this stuff. And also, does that mean once you start it's game on for the rest of your life, taking this stuff?
0: So great question. So, um, it's not a matter of getting on a certain supplement, staying on it for the rest of your life. Kind of, that's not really what we're wanting to do, but it is important to understand that you start aging from actually the day you were born. And there's amazing studies showing that this methylation process, which is uh, how there's methyl groups attaching to our DNA, and how you, that's how you can measure to quantify aging. It's a validated way that, that scientists can compare and measure aging. We see that process happening from birth. And so it's really a lifelong process. And so how can you slow that? And, uh, and a lot of it we can do without necessarily um, any supplementation. You know, we know fasting. You look at animal studies and just fasting alone, just quit freaking eating, (laughs) has been shown to extend lifespan. And so um, it's not about taking a certain magic pill or magic drug or supplement. It's about understanding all the different inputs into your human system and how those come together and how you can tweak different aspects of that to extend lifespan. And more importantly, it's not just living to 100 and being like your grandparents. It's about – living to a hundred and being as healthy and optimized as you feel you are today, right here, right now. And that's the difference. That's health span.
1: Yeah. Feeling good. I mean, nobody being yeah. in pain and discomfort is a, it's, it's hard on you. It's, I mean, it's Yeah. no wonder, you know, you see certain people and there's, there's, they're so grumpy now things like metformin, for example, you can actually get that now by going online and doing an appointment with, they have groups that have doctors that you can interview, because there's a lot of people who say, well, maybe my doctor won't give that to me or whatever. But I have friends who've gotten it online by doing teleappointments, telemedicine appointments, appointments, and then getting the prescription. So I just want to let people know that a lot of this stuff is pretty available. But you would want to do it, you still would want to do it in conjunction with somebody who would, who would tell you how to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Metformin is one part of it. I take metformin myself every day because yeah. the the science is there for it. It's been probably one of the most studied drugs on the planet. It's been around sure. for over fifty years, and and there's great um, when it comes to um, activating AMP kinase, which is the the gene associated with one of those three genes associated with longevity. It's amazing, and so yeah. um, but there's nuance to understand that it's not just take metformin I'm going to live longer. There's there's a lot of pieces again that come in, and it's like a symphony. It's it's fine-tuning all the different instruments to to play together in in harmony and so there's not any one aspect one one magic thing that you can do that's going to fix everything else
1: and do you still get a benefit from it let's say if somebody was like hey i don't i'm not ready to take gh or i'm not comfortable yet you would still get benefits from the metformin
0: absolutely yeah and and to be clear i actually don't hardly ever prescribe growth hormones so i i I was just kind of doctor actually I know, right? There are peptides that we can use to actually promote your body to produce growth hormone naturally. And and to me, that's much more of a normal physiologic state. You know, growth hormone is secreted in surges throughout the day. And the biggest surge tends to be at midnight. And so um, I like peptides because they're able to increase that normal, healthy uh, variation in your growth hormone that you don't get when you take exogenous growth hormone. It's just That's just a big blast, a big burst. So you have, how I forget BPC one five seven
1: and and uh, what do you, what do you call that one? CJC and epimorlin or what were the ones that you liked? I can't.
0: Oh my gosh, talk- I like all of them. It, it depends on the situation. So so yeah, BPC one fifty seven. That's that comes from uh, enzymes in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just to clarify for the listeners, we're talking about peptides here. Peptides are simply short proteins. They're, they're, they're basically chains of amino acids. They're signaling molecules that our body recognizes already because they, they're derived from enzymes that we're used to already. So, uh, BPC comes from the stomach. Thymus and alpha is amazing for immune function. That comes from our thymus gland, which uh, shrinks and involutes as we get older. CJC C- C- mm-hmm. Ip- uh it's a mimic and growth hormone-releasing hormone from the hypothalamus, which is what stimulates the pituitary to make growth hormone. That's amazing. BPC comes from the stomach. It's great for inflammation, um, both in the gut as well as systemically. Uh, you could also put it in joints. It's great for joints. Uh, thymus and beta is great for musculoskeletal, soft tissue repair and recovery, there's peptides for anxiety and memory and focus, concentration and sleep and sex and hair and skin and it, it's amazing.
1: Is it pointless to take them? To is this. it right? Is it? But is it pointless to take them as injectables? I mean, as is, as an oral? Uh, is that almost pointless? It's is it almost really better just to always do the injectable?
0: Great question. It depends on the peptide. So you, you bring up a great point okay. that if you look at the molecular size of most peptides. You can't absorb it through the GI tract. And so they're not meant to be taken orally. There's a few that I won't name out there that are on the market that are oral. And I'm like, I can't work because I know the size of it and it it, it can't get absorbed. And so, um, but oral BPC in particular is actually great if you're specifically working on the gut itself. Um, But you're right. Most peptides are injectable yeah some are topical yeah. so there's a couple that are great for anxiety and sleep that are topical there's some that are nasal spray so it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish and you know like you said earlier i want to emphasize you need that foundation this is the icing on your cake if you haven't baked your cake you can't get the icing yet yeah
1: right i mean this is you know people have to be reminded you're talking about epigenetics but 20 percent of our deal is is our genetics 80 percent is our lifestyle and Absolutely. then you have this, this power to turn off and on the guys that are working in your favor or not. But I also always like to encourage people because I always, it's like you're reminded you inherited, yes, your eyes are blue. And so that's what a genetic feature, but we inherit our family's lifestyles more than, oh, well, my mom's always fought. You know, her weight. That's just my my sentence. It's like, well, not really. Or or my dad, you know, got Alzheimer's when he was 72. And so I, I that's going to be my fate as well. So I just yeah. want to yeah. remind people that we have we're to empower us that we have so much, but we have to figure it out, too. It takes a little bit of effort. This podcast is brought to you by Ritual. I've personally been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin since right when COVID hit. I was looking for something supportive and powerful. Someone suggested it to me, and lo and behold, I got. I did some research, and what I love about them is so women were kept out of research until 1993 by federal law, and Ritual really knows how important women are. Obviously, if you're going to be selling them vitamins, they're essential. And they conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their essential for women 18 plus multivitamin to really assess its efficacy. So right there, I was intrigued and even more intrigued by the results. It increased vitamin D, which is what I was looking for, by levels up to 43% and omega-3 DHA, so important levels by 41%. And that was just in 12 weeks. So they take the time and energy to figure out, hey, you know, does this work? And is it going to be good for these women? And not to mention that what they do is so smart. They, they kind of hone in on nine key nutrients and they put it in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. So if you're going to spend the time and energy to really, you know, navigate taking supplements, everything is bioavailable. Your body can absorb it and it'll know what to do. And it's really gentle on your on your stomach. So you don't have to worry about like oh I have an empty stomach or after food or before food. They just take away all of those pressure points and make it as easy as possible and give you comfort in knowing also that Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free. They're a certified B Corp and all of their ingredients are made traceable. Don't get me started on a nice little finished touch of the minty kind of aftertaste that they put in it. I mean, they've really thought about everything. So if, you've, if you're if you interested, if you're in need, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. You will get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash Gabby. If you want to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today, that's Ritual, R I T U A L dot com slash Gabby to get 25% off your first month. Can we talk about for you the things, the the ingredients of the cake? And then maybe we can go just a little deeper because let's just remind people, you know, your approach to what the patient needs to do first. And then let's talk about the fun, extra little boosty
0: stuff like the peptides. Yeah. So I I love that you mentioned epigenetics because that's really what it's all about. When we look at lifestyle, like nutrition, for example, genetics has a huge factor there. So uh, for example, I see a lot of men who, and, and women who are obese and there are genes like the FTO gene, for example, people call it the fat gene that push at increased risk for being obese. Well, that particular gene, it has to do with the way your body senses when you're hungry or when you're full. Oh, leptin and ghrelin? Well, or, or, uh, yeah, exactly. It has to do with ghrelin receptors and it has to do with knowing when to stop eating. And so people with FTO variations who are obese, they're obese simply because they just don't know when to stop eating. And so uh, changing the diet to match that behaviorally, to match that is really critical. Other people, they have genes like the Plin-1 gene that has to do with carbohydrate metabolism, they will actually lose weight with higher complex carbs, which is completely opposite of this keto trend that we're on. And so it's understanding, you know, where you stand that you may actually lose weight with more complex carbs. And I'm not talking about cakes and cup cu- cupcakes yeah. and candy, rice, good like rice and beans, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about quinoa, sweet potatoes, and broccoli, and all yeah. the good, uh, you know, good healthy carbs. Yeah. Um, we can look at um, genetics to help us understand the ratio of carbs, proteins, and fats. And um, everyone's different with that. Some people require more fats than others, and so that's why I hate the, the the Twitter battle on what's the best diet because there is no best diet or nutrition plan. It depends what's right for your body.
1: Well, the the problem with that is is yeah. it is a lot because you also have people who and I I appreciate it, but they're monetizing by creating a lane and saying okay. Only and by the way, to your point, it's it's sort of like someone might really benefit from the carnivore diet. I totally honor that. I I personally eat high quality protein, and I seem to function better on that than you know sort of. I, I mean, I eat vegetables, but I think people also have to be careful not to get in because it is it's become commercialized like v, being oh, vegan yeah. being vegetarian being carnivore everybody's trying to you know oh say like this is the only way so when we talk about epigenetics can someone actually are there tests to go hey am i this person that does this or that like how can they figure that out
0: yes yeah, so when i work with clients we start with a cheek swab And we send that to the lab and we get your genetic report back in a couple weeks. And that tells us exactly information that we're talking about here. So you can know what's right for you and you can know, you know, for example, um, you, you mentioned the carnivore diet, the ApoE gene is the gene that helps you process saturated fats. And so people who have a certain variant of the ApoE gene, if you are eating a lot of saturated fats, red meat, dairy, pork, cheese, milk you have a markedly increased risk of cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease. Whereas if you limit saturated fat in those individuals, that risk completely goes away and you're you're basically on par with the population. And so that's where, you know, again, there's no perfect diet. And with a simple cheek swab, we can figure out what's right for you. I think rather than what you should be eating, I think the better focus might be what should you not be eating. And I think it's well, two simple things. One, yeah, one is sugar, and the other is vegetable oils, canola oil, seed oils, you know, uh, canola, sa- safflower, sunflower, all that omega six inflammatory oil that's everywhere. Get rid of those two things.
1: Yeah, well, we, it's like simplify it: olive oil, avocado oil, and uh, coconut oil. I mean, and not everybody responds well even to like coconut oil. I have a friend who, you know, he he goes to the bathroom and it's like a no go. Um, So just because these are being uh, sort of presented as the healthier oils, that's still even within that as a personal kind of quest. But the, the other thing is that's not that I think is unfair, but it's it's such a getcha moment when you go to the market and you see, let's say someone's being really conscientious and they think, oh, well, canola or sunflower sounds good. Safflower sounds good. All of this is in every single thing. We eat every dressing, every chip, popcorn. I mean, they make popcorn unless you buy the one popped in coconut oil. So I would encourage people make make your own dressings if you can. I mean, it takes three minutes. Um, and and if you are gonna eat chips, just see the oils because I think there's a few chips like what is I could never say it right, siete and a couple other. I don't work with them. Um that they seem to be doing a better a better job with these oils and those oils yeah. will kick your butt. Cause that keeps you, you talk about sure. a lot about chronic inflammation and these are the things that will keep you in chronic inflammation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's sad. Um, I was at Target with my wife a few months ago and I'm buying a bag of almonds. Almonds are a great snack guys. It has a ton of omega three, the healthy polyunsaturated fat. And it's a good snack to you to, to rely on when you need something. And what was interesting and sad was that you can get a bag of almonds and you look at the ingredients. Every everything you purchase, especially if it's in a bag, you need to look at the ingredients. And it said almonds, fantastic. The bag next to it's dry roasted almonds, and you look at the ingredients. What do you guess the first ingredient was? Canola oil, canola oil, salt, and almonds. Tastes so good too. That's the thing. (laughs) You think you're doing the right, oh yeah, I'm getting almonds, but in fact, you're actually causing more harm than good. And so those little micro decisions, uh, it, yeah. again, focus on the ingredients, avoid those inflammatory oils.
1: And then how do you approach sort of, you know, getting people, cause we all know we need to exercise, you know, do you create a loose framework for people like, Hey, 20 minutes, four times a week? Um, you know, how do you get them to approach their movement life?
0: Yeah. And I should probably hire you to work with all my clients so you as the athlete can teach them. Um, but most of the men I work with, they need simple, how do I get off my butt out of my executive office and do something. And um, they're not at the, uh, most of them are are not at the point where um, they necessarily even know what to do on a daily basis. How do you incorporate training? How do you incorporate strength training, interval training, some cardio and um, the guys that are working out, they tend to do too much cardio and not enough of the strength and interval genetics also can help us in that sense as well. Your genetics can tell us whether you're going to respond better to interval versus endurance training. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can use that to help create a customized plan as well. Uh, but that comes down to coaching. As you know, Gabby, it's accountability. It's it's staying focused on your, your bigger passion, your bigger goal. And, um, and it takes commitment as you know, it's not easy.
1: And I, listen, I have friends that are, they love like they're ultra marathoners and they're, you know, freaky and they want to go run a hundred miles and that makes them feel good. And I totally honor if that's someone's experience. But if we were talking about householders, like most of us, I think interval training and resistance training, time under tension are usually going to be sort of benefit a larger group of people. I think, uh, you know, minutes and minutes of cardio in front of a television, um, it's better than nothing but i don't know that it's maximizing their time where even though like a sprint would suck and maybe you don't feel good and it feels like it's actually a jog 10 of those you know for 20 yeah. 30 yards might be better um so you know i think a lot of us too as we get older we don't want to huff and puff you know like a sprint i i mean i went to the beach the other day and was pulling a sled and uh, i thought seriously i'm like i'm doing i'm still doing this right now but these are, you know what I mean? But these are all the things that um, they support us in a very, you know, in a, in a, in a real way. Um, do you have, have you had anyone who comes to your office that's like, hey, I figured out a sort of, I hate the word hack because we all know that, you know, work is really the what it is. However, somebody who created some kind of practice at their office that really has been benefiting them in the movement way or in, even in the food way, in the eating way.
0: Yeah, it, you know it's it's um, it's a great question. It's understanding that there's a lot of things that you can do without a gym. A lot of things you can do without weights, without barbells, dumbbells. A lot of things you can do with nothing but right here. And so I will, uh, and I have coaches that work with, help with work with my clients as well. But I'll show you how you. I I could stand right here, and I could do squats. I could do lunges. I could do crunches. I can do planks. I could do um, lateral lunges. There's all kinds of things that I can do. Push-ups I, that I can do right here with no equipment. And in 10 minutes, I've gotten actually a, a, a decent, you know, bit of workout in. And guys think it's complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be that simple. But it's the accountability sure. and staying true to yourself and creating a, a schedule, a, a, you know, an intentional, purposeful action in your life.
1: Yeah. And I, I, well, it is. And then people are like, Oh, I'm in my work clothes. But I also remind people too, that if you just did like a little bit of walking around at directly after eating a meal or, you know, some body squats that, you know, when you talk about insulin and, you know, glucose spikes Mm -hmm. and things like that, that really does sort of help minimize some, some of that. So there are, like you said, little things we can do. So we, we talk about movement, we talk about food um, testing for maybe figuring out what's best for you. What about, um, sleep? You know, what are you, what are you encouraging your clients? Cause people might say, I go to bed at midnight and I get up at eight. So I get eight, eight hours that may not be the mm-hmm. same out, eight hours as 10 to six. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, I always emphasize sleep because, That's probably one of the most common issues that my clients have is trouble with sleep. Either they stay up too late, like you just mentioned, or they keep waking up throughout the night. They can't fall asleep, whatever. And a lot of that has to do with our hormones. Again, it comes back to cortisol. When you have crummy sleep because you don't get enough hours, quality hours, and I'll get to that in just a sec, it raises cortisol. Cortisol crushes our hormones. It makes us store fat. It alters our mood, makes us make bad decisions, and it becomes a snowball, ugly, um, vicious cycle. Um, the key is that you need good quality sleep. And what by that, I mean deep sleep and REM sleep. And those are the key phases of sleep. So when you sleep eight hours, if you don't, for example, if you were to take an Ambien a sleeping pill, or if you were to drink a bunch of alcohol, you're going to sleep. But you're getting crummy quality sleep you don't get the restorative aspects that you need because you you stay in light sleep the whole time and you don't get the deep sleep and the rem sleep that you need and so it's all about getting that good quality sleep well how do i know is the obvious next question and the answer is you got to track it and that gets mm-hmm. us to wearable tech and so there are a, a ton of devices out there I'm, I'm agnostic to which one you choose but you got to be tracking your sleep and seeing how that's affecting your performance and so I will track my sleep every night. I'll check my heart rate variability first thing in the morning and I'll understand how that's affecting my actions, my behavior uh, throughout the day. And it's all about prioritizing that deep and REM sleep because it affects the rest of your day.
1: Are there optimal sort of, is it a percentage or is it an actual amount of time you want to be in either one of those?
0: Yeah, typically we aim for around an hour of deep sleep and two hours of REM sleep, give or take, somewhere in that kind of ballpark range. And generally, you know, how long should you sleep? Typically, it's seven to eight hours is the average. Um, genetics remarkably can help us understand that, like what chronotype you are. You're, you actually have sleep centers and clocks in your brain, and genes can help us. But in general, seven to eight hours is kind of a target. I see so many people who will stay up till midnight working on their computer, and then they're up at four and you have no chance. You're not going to lose weight. You're not going to build muscle. You're not going to be at your best. You're not going to have a good sexual function, because that's directly affecting everything else in your body.
1: So, Doctor Gappin, maybe we can just really take a second on that. So, you could have somebody who's eating very well. Um, maybe they even have a good relationship. They get enough exercise in. Um, yes. But the, but they aren't sleeping enough. I I then I think you're always behind the eight ball, no matter what.
0: Yeah. That's right. So let's go back to where we started this conversation about sexual function. And I want to briefly dive 10 seconds into, into physiology to have an erection. You need increased blood flow of the penis. Right. That requires arterial dilation, vasodilation of the arteries. And what does that? What causes that? It's the hormone nitric oxide, nitric oxide is actually a hormone. Okay. Now what affects nitric oxide production? Insulin sensitivity. Insulin sensitivity directly affects nitric oxide secretion by your endothelium, by the lining of your blood vessels. So follow me for a second here. You have crummy sleep that raises cortisol, raises your blood sugar. Your body can't handle it. It generally promotes insulin resistance. It crushes nitric oxide production. Hence, you can't have good quality erections. You see how they're all tied together. It's all interrelated, and that's the the systems approach to health that I I really uh, emphasize. Can we, when when we talk about
1: erection? I mean, obviously we've talked about other. You know, people can take blue pills and you know all these other things. And I know that you have long-term solutions. You talk about gut health, even helping support um, erections, and sleep, and managing stress. And I didn't know you could do PRP injections. I mean, into your penis. Yes. Um, Why? What happens there exactly?
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) good question. So <laughs> PRP is platelet-rich plasma. Right. That simply means we draw your blood from your arm, we spin it down in the centrifuge, and we separate out the different layers of products in your blood. And we are um, extracting and isolating the platelets and all the good, healthy growth factors from your blood. We can then inject that directly into the penis, and we are creating a high concentration of those really critical growth factors that are important for promoting angiogenesis, which is the process of creating new blood vessels, new blood flow. And after all, that's what an erection is, is increased blood flow. And so that's why it's, it's being done.
1: And did I hear you say that you use some of this technology for kidney stones or is that yes. something else? So, right. Is that right? Uh,
0: you're, yeah, you're, yes, you're right. So, um, so Low-intensity shockwave therapy. It is a Easy. treatment that is used for kidney stones. It's where we deliver sound waves through the skin into the, into the kidneys. Um, I did it for 20-plus years in urology uh, to treat kidney stones. That same technology we found also promotes angiogenesis, which is new blood flow. And so that is the – you, you probably heard of the, the term Gaines Wave. That is that treatment where we deliver these sound waves to the penis – to promote new blood flow. And when I combine it with that PRP I mentioned and exosomes, that's where you get to really see some, some great results.
1: Oh yeah. I think, I mean, it's exciting when they talk about like, OP oh, shots and all these other things. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's very cool that as long as we're sort of not using that to bypass these root issues that we really need to always take, you know, kind of doing our homework all the time. Now, if you have someone who comes to you and let's say they're in good health and, and, uh, you you know, they're, they're in overall good health and there's no real reason physically for, um, maybe being impetus or having, um, erectile dysfunction, where, how do you manage that? Cause I'm sure that's, you see that occasionally.
0: Sure. Yeah. So I, I would say there's four general causes of ED. One is blood flow. And probably about 80% of men with ED, it's blood flow issues, whether it's poor blood flow coming in or they can actually have venous leak where blood's leaking out. Oh. That's number one is, is poor blood flow. Number two would be hormones. Testosterone is the one we most commonly think of. DHEA, thyroid, insulin, cortisol, all the hormones can affect sexual function. Uh, we talked about insulin and insulin resistance a moment ago um, as part of that. The third would be nerves. You need good, healthy, normal nerve function down there. And so anyone who's diabetic or with peripheral neuropathy or maybe they've had prostate or colon surgery down there, um, that can affect the nerve function. And then the fourth one is really psychosocial, I call it. Uh, this is things like um, relationship with your partner, attraction, if there's any infidelity. Uh, porn addiction is so incredibly common these days. All those things that really affect the brain and neurotransmitters and all that kind of stuff, that mm-hmm. would be the fourth category. And so how do we treat these guys? Well, it's, it's really taking the time to listen and to work with them to understand which one of those it is, do the appropriate mm-hmm. testing and then choose a treatment that matches. So, you know, you see these Wave clinics popping up everywhere and it, your only qualification is you have a credit card, but for a lot of those guys it's not going to work if they're not properly mm. selected. And so that's what we do at my my institute is really focus on on the right selection selected treatment.
1: I I hate to put you on the hook, but since you're in front of me and you're the right person to ask, because of this sort of new, that the fact that pornography is really everywhere and it creates maybe, I don't know, is it an unrealistic expectation or you need that level to get stimulated? I'm sure you're seeing younger and younger men coming in with erectile dysfunction because they do have more access to porn. You know, how does one deal with that? Uh, be, because it is, it's like an expectation, like three girls, and everybody sh- you know shaved and tattooed. and this is what it would take for me to get excited. Like wh- how do you how do you help these guys? That's
0: not, That's not real.
1: <laughs> i my poor husband. it's been really boring for a long time, I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know it is interesting you say that I put out a blog article in my blog. This is like five years ago, like within the first six months I was writing. And massive response from around the world. Guys were like young men, like in their twenties, were asking, "How yeah. can I work with you? How can you help me with this?" It's a big problem, um, and so it, it's a it's a massive issue, especially for the younger guys. And um, a lot of it's coaching. There's no magic pill. There's no drugs that I can recommend. There's no prescription medication that's going to cure that. It's coaching. It's counseling. It's working with your partner and. Um, and it it takes time because the, at some point the neurotransmitters, the dopamine receptors in your brain have been affected and it takes time to kind of get those back. Yeah.
1: What is that called? P like norepinephrine and, and, uh, and, uh, dopamine, like, I don't know, PEA or something like that thing that you get, I guess, when you're just all guns blazing, I'm excited. Here we go. But you have seen men that by, you know, maybe abstaining from pornography and kind of rebuilding their their real relationship and yeah. intimacy that they mm-hmm. can they can sort of get the elastic they, back they, if you will.
0: Yeah, and it takes time and it takes, you know, pure abstinence as well because like you said it it's this fantasy world that's been created where real life cannot possibly match that it's just unrealistic expectations and you know it it affects marriages. It 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 crushes relationships where the woman thinks that Uh, Either the man's uh, not attracted to her or that there's infidelity or, you know, it it crushes her confidence. And so it's a problem. So abstinence and working with your partner and and it just takes time. Yeah.
1: You think you think giving up sugar would be hard, right? It's like asking these guys to be (laughs) abstinent.
0: That's an interesting.
1: um, Okay, so I just have two,
0: two more abstain abstain from porn. From oh,
1: porn. I thought you meant from like sex altogether. I was like, wow, that's a
0: tough one. Yeah. Abstaining oh. from porn. But sometimes <laughs> actually abstaining from sex for, for like a week will actually help improve that as well. Yeah. Right. Then all of a sudden
1: you're excited. You're like, it's a real person. Let's yeah.
0: go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right.
1: I uh, So just a, just a couple, two more things. One is Let's say, because I have a lot of friends that are high performance or, you know, people who are athletes who use certain things to get these boosts in their mid, late 20s and 30s. And now they're saying, hey, I don't want to have to rely on this, but I also don't know yeah. how how to navigate coming off some of this you know, extra support, whether it's a growth hormone or it's testosterone, could we guide somebody who is looking to kind of get themselves naturally a little back on track um, without this extra support if they have been kind of high level performance?
0: Mm-hmm. So so you're talking about they've been taking growth hormone, testosterone, steroids, yeah. that kind of stuff to yeah. want to come down is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because you'll leave
1: you'll even, you'll it, even it, see like a high school athlete that's been a football player that's been given stuff early in their life. How do you yeah. you know kind of like say, "Oh, wait, I'm going to try to you know get back to a place yeah. uh that I can support myself as naturally as possible."
0: Yeah, a, a great question and it's tough because um When men or women have been on uh, growth hormone, for example, steroids for a long time, uh, a lot of peptides that we use to naturally stimulate things don't work as well because those receptors have been burned. And so a a lot of it is weaning that down, weaning some of those doses down slowly over time while you're optimizing other systems at the same time. Um, It's tricky. It's a tricky balance, and the longer someone has been on those drugs, steroids, the the more challenging that really is yeah
1: and if you if somebody comes in and they're 50 55 and they're doing things are right and you know we talk about like you know certain hormones it's just no matter who you are they start to diminish um are you comfortable getting people on things that yeah they might actually sort of take
0: from here on out sure yeah you know, guy, when when I, I'm working with a man and I'm recommending testosterone therapy, that's a very common question. Oh, does this mean I need to be on it forever? And my, my simple answer, no, you can stop it whenever you want to feel like shit again. It, just to stop it, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's way, but it, no, it's true. It's true that when you optimize hormones, guys feel so amazing that they don't want to stop it, really. And so it's, it's optimizing it. Um, now, let's say a guy's testosterone level is slightly below where we want it to be. That's where a lot of the natural approaches can be helpful, but most guys I see now with this testosterone pandemic we're dealing with, their levels are in the tank, and you're never going to get them to where they need to be with the strength training and the sleep and the micronutrients and all, you know the basic foundational stuff. They need help, and when you give them that help, they feel so good. They're like, holy cow, you're never taking this away from me again and right. so it, it becomes easy at that point yeah
1: and it and it is becoming more cost effective i have seen over the years where things are becoming it's it's just more yeah. accessible to, to more people do you have supplements you know whether it's dhea if it's appropriate or creatine or things that you sort of are a big uh champion for
0: yeah so uh, you, you know I'll, I'll i'll put an asterisk here that every man's different everyone's an individual and i, I give a unique Protocol, blah, blah, blah. But that being said, um, every guy needs a good quality multivitamin with micronutrients, B vitamins. Every guy needs omega 3 fish oil. You know, the balance, the omega uh, 6 to 3 ratio is so critically important. And one of the ways you can do that is by optimizing omega 3. So, a good quality DHA fish oil, I think, is incredibly important. Um, most guys are deficient in vitamin D. You want your level of 60 to 80 or so. Most guys need vitamin D. And so, that's typically part of my stack. Um, I love things like curcumin because it's great for reducing inflammation. Um, I love NAC for helping uh, boost glutathione, detox function. DHEA is an incredibly important hormone that gets overlooked. Um, It's a precursor to testosterone, but it's actually very valuable in and of itself. So DHEA is great for most men. And then from there, it depends on the individual. But but yeah, there's some basic foundational Mm -hmm. that that almost every guy needs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what has been the big difference for you dealing with now you are dealing with females. Um, I know that the f- system is obviously way more complex, but just in how has that been for you? I'm going to end this interview talking about you now. Like, how has that been uh, for you?
0: Working with women?
1: E- yeah. This isn't a setup. I just mean like the complexity no. of, you know, yeah. dealing with that, with those the systems. And um,
0: I'm just curious of, from yeah. your
1: point of view. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I I find that um, uh, working with women is 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 very different. I'll put it that way. And um, <laughs> you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Definitely holds true when it comes to health, where it, it's just an entirely different interaction. Um, I have a nurse practitioner who works with me. She is a woman's health maestro she's incredible and so most of the women i'll have work with her for the hormones especially because that's where she's she's really an expert and then i'll work Mm -hmm. with them on everything else on the genetics and the peptides and the lifestyle and the coaching and the the other um you know lab testing uh functional testing that i do as well but it's just a different interaction it takes a little more time and um, for me a little more patience and i'm a men's health doc gabby But we have a lot of women who we work with as well and, and, and I appreciate that difference. yeah.
1: and then and then finally, just as your own like your patient to yourself, if you're if you're stressed out, you've got a family, you've got kids, you have a big practice, you're on in an interview here with me. What, do you have any personal practices you do to kind of check your stress levels?
0: Yeah, I, I track my HRV every morning. So, um, and you could do this through a couple different means. So um, HRV is heart rate variability, and it's simply the variation in your heartbeat from one beat to the next. And um, that is really a surrogate for your stress levels. And so you can track that with various wearable devices. I use a chest strap because that has been found to be the most reliable, but I use that as, uh, every morning as a check for me of where I am. Um, I also have wearables that I can check throughout the day as well. I am very intentional about creating time for breathing exercises and for actual meditation. And I know that sounds crazy. How do you, how do you in a busy day find time for that? It's, it's living with attention. It's creating time for that. It's knowing how important that is. And so there's one um, parking lot by a school, not in a creepy way. Uh, where I would park and I would in my car turn on um meditation app on my phone. It's that simple. It yeah. doesn't take any magic, it's no nothing fancy. It's 10 minutes of meditation and breathing. And that really helps ground you and reduce that stress and helps you be present in the moment.
1: When you have been there for everybody all day long and you go home to your family, where do you find more to be to give to them? Because I think a lot of men, because women are, we talk about our needs a lot and we talk about um, having it all in balance. Men don't do that. And then they get home and they get in trouble for not being present because they're exhausted from work. And in a way it's like, they are I can see it from their side. Like, hey, I was at work. I'm not, it wasn't like it was fun. I wasn't golfing. And then you come home. How do you, how do you get that extra for them?
0: It's taking that 10 minute break even in the car is fine. It helps you kind of reset. And for me, Gabby, I'll tell you the highlight of my day. It's amazing every day when I walk in the, in the door and the kids are going daddy, daddy, and they're jumping on me. I'm laying on the couch and they're wrestling with me, tackling me. And there is nothing like that in the world. And if that doesn't get you going, like what does like to me, that is every, that's my why. And so that gets me going. And, um, I have, I've also created a schedule in my life. You know, when I jumped ship and left traditional urology, I did that so that I can create the life that I want. Mm -hmm. And that means that I'm not stuck at the hospital till midnight anymore. I can come home and still be a dad and a husband and, um, and again, living with intention, creating the life that you want.
1: Well, Dr. Gappin, I really appreciate uh, the work you you are doing. Um, You have the Gappin Institute. Maybe just remind people all the places they can find you. Um, I'm sure people will have questions or want to connect.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, so uh, website is gappininstitute.com. You can also, um, if I can offer an opt-in, you can text HEALTH to 26786. Again, if the listeners will text the word HEALTH to 26786, they're going to get a couple free gifts. They're going to get 10 secrets to High-Performance Health, uh, quick tips that you can implement today, right now, to get started. You're going to get a complimentary copy of my best-selling book, Mail 2.0. You're going to get information about my high-performance health conference that will be live here in Sarasota, and you'll get a link if you want to book a call with my team to see how we can help you. You'll get that as well. Thank you for your time. There might also be t- a free t- in there as well. Oh,
1: see? I uh I really I I'm like I said I'm inspired by people like you out there because I'm seeing more and more people who are like, "Hey, we have to address the the problem and not just, you know, the the, the we've got to yeah. get to the cause and not just the symptoms." So, thank you for that. And right. um That's and sure. uh, yeah, good luck now that you're adding more and more females to your practice. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday.